What's up, guys? This is the WCBC Podcast. My name's Hunter. My name's Alan. And I'm Josh. And we are here, and I'll go ahead. This is our second take because Hunter, a.k.a. the sound man, has already messed up. So this is our second take, but it's great. Because, Where's Grant? Yeah, well. Yeah. <laughs> Grant, okay, to be fair, Grant is having his car worked on, which he has to. He literally bought it, and then a week later, a deer hit it. So he's kind of in a place where it's got to be fixed. But the cool thing is, is we're doing a second take. We have a guest, so now he's kind of got got warmed up a little bit. But I'm going to let him introduce himself for the second time. My name is Byron Goodman, and uh, I work at a ministry called Miracle Lake Christian Training Center for men struggling with addictions. And um, I actually went through the program many years ago, so I was here to share a little bit about my story. And if anybody's listening as far as what the ministry consists of, if you have a loved one that needs help, and I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we're so excited. We've been looking forward to this, um, Byron being here. And there's a lot of things that we talked about in the first take. And I'm just, I guess the the biggest thing I want to bring up is um, the fact that, you know, Byron is going to share a lot of his testimony today. But we talked about the example, Alan brought it up, and I kind of reiterated about how Paul, you know, was a great, being an imitator of Christ as I am, Paul was a Jew. He was converted out of Judaism. He went back to the people stuck in Judaism and tried to help them. And that's where we were talking about that. That's kind of where Byron's at is he is Paul and his testimony and his mission and his calling life is to help men that are stuck in something just like the Jews were stuck in something, which we mm-hmm. all have a testimony that can help people. Sure, yeah. um, but we're super excited to have him here. Um, right, guys, how y'all doing? Is everybody doing good? Good hey, man. Doing we're great. here. We're blessed. Uh, um, so to kind of start this off, we're going to go ahead and just jump into the introduction topic, which, um, we've already done once <laughs> before I realized my mistake, but it's okay. Cause now we all know kind of what we're talking about. Um, and I kind of, I know what Josh is going to say, so I think I'm just, I'm not going to say it this time. <laughs> I'll leave it out. I will not do it. I'll leave it out. I didn't know you were going to I'm, I'm thankful for crystal clear audio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my. Yeah. It sounds good in here. It does. It does. So, yeah. um, we started this last time. So Byron, if you want to go ahead and say sure. what you were thankful for. Yeah. I, I was thankful for, this may be my 14th year of recovery and spending Thanksgiving soberly and being an asset to my family instead of a liability and being that guy in the room that my family would look at and be like oh goodness Byron's here and um, I'm just appreciate of course my salvation made all this possible but just looking forward to you know I'm thankful for my family thankful thankful for my family not giving up on me and giving me another chance wow well yeah. said yeah. well said absolutely yeah. Alan so I'm thankful for my family also and I'm thankful for my salvation and I'm thankful for my church family uh, I've been a part of Watson's Chapel since '92, uh, and uh, it's it's a big, huge part of my life, and uh, I love it. And I, I, not only is it uh, important to this community, but it's it's important to me and my family, and uh, important place for me to raise my kids, and not only my kids but my grandkids. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I love this place and I love these people. And then I'm thankful for um, basically what I mentioned already was the. Oh, COVID. It, it brought me to a place of clearer understanding and seeking God more directly. And it, it changed a lot of the way I viewed myself as a Christian male, you know, a follower of Christ. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful for the time that we had of shutdown. But with that being said, I do want to make one comment that I am also thankful for my church family, my friends and family. And the church family, every time we shut down, 
I, I feel it. I, it, it, it's, 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 it's a put when you come together as a family and when you come together in fellowship, it is such a key point of basically you can take your guard down. You're with loved ones. You're with family. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I don't have that, sometimes the day to day, week to week pressures that I go under without having that church family to come mm-hmm. and just be around and surround it, 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 it becomes heavy. Yeah. And, um, I was kind of, before I say what I'm saying, I'm kind of bummed too because, you know, I'm I'm at this barbecue stand Saturday evening and I get a phone call from our pastor and I'm just like, hey, what's going on? He's like, not much, what are you doing? It's like, getting some food. Next thing I know, he said, hey, you're preaching tomorrow morning. And I was like, yes, oh my goodness. Because I, I, I love, I mean, obviously that's something I'm called to do and I love it, um, you know. And it was great because, you know, I was sitting in a tree stand too Saturday. So it was just a good day. And then I get the phone call and he's just like, hey, I need, I need you to fill in in the morning. So I had, you know, I was pulling something out of my back pocket re- ready to just, because I've done Sunday nights, but Sunday mornings is, I mean, it's just big. Bigger audience. It's, yeah. it's a great, and it's not about, hey, that is your bigger crowd. And, you know, I'm not there to entertain, but I just, I love it because it's just an opportunity. And I had something out of the book of Habakkuk um, that I felt like the Lord was leading me to. Ultimately, we had to close down which we needed to, you know, with COVID and everything going on. We've got to be safe. We've got to take care of our people. And we have a lot of elders that are coming back right now. And so to set them up and give them an environment where it may be not as safe, you know, is a good call. But what I'm thankful for is, first, I'm thankful for the chastisement of God. Um, And that might be something weird to be thankful for. But I'm just telling you, I feel like this has been a year um, in the last few months where I just feel like God has been working on me in a lot of different areas. Um, and it makes me emotional because it shows me how small I am and how he's trying to train me up and help me get away from things that have been chasing me, you know, mm-hmm. and all there are, it seems like they've always been there. We all have battles. We all have things we have to struggle with. Um, so I'm thankful for the hand of uh, God to correct me and chastise me um, and never give up on me. And that's just yeah. a great thing. Even when I'm weak and I have doubts and things that come up. It's uh, evidence of salvation, man. Yeah. And I mean, everybody, a lot of people see, you know, um, Byron does full-time ministry. Alan's a, one of our head deacons here. He's been here for a good while. Josh is one of our ministers here, and I, I'm like our youth guy. Um, and a lot of people see men in position, and they're like, they've got it going on. They've got it figured out. And we, I don't. I, de- I Definitely, we don't. Nope. Um, we're just like everyone else who had things going on, You know, things that we've got to take to the Lord. So I'm thankful for that. And then the second thing, which Josh said the first time, and I'm thankful, <laughs> which, to be honest, we I haven't talked about it since it's happened on the podcast. It's time. But I'm just, I'm super thankful. Um, I got engaged a few weeks ago um, to one of Josh's daughters. Her name's Haley, um, and she's amazing. And we've known each other for a good while, um, and I just love her to death. And it's been great because I've waited for God to, like, bring me and take me to someone that I felt like... You know, I, I could live a life with that would be worthy enough to serve the Lord. Amen. Um, and that's happened. And man, I love her to death. And I, I saw her a few like an hour ago. You know, you said, scored some major yeah. points right there, brother. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. so. Well, <laughs> well, your vows is to death does a part, right? So it's good that you do love her to death. Um, yeah, when I'm you get s- married. You know, you're in it for the long haul. Oh, yeah. I'm just. I'm, and that's what I. I, I think I just realized because you know being. And this isn't about relationships, but just a side note, you know, being a, a young 20 year old, um, you know, you, you come out of things and you know what the Bible says, you know, things, but the way this world is today, man, um, when I got, got out of high school and I got into college, 
the things that the world tried to teach you about how a relationship's supposed to happen is so outside of scripture. And I didn't have a biblical foundation. And so I got caught up in that system. And so once I got out of high school, you know, I had a lot of godly men that have just really mentored me and helped push me in the right direction. And so to realize, you know, relationships just aren't about, you know, physical attraction or things like that, but it's someone you, it's like a life partner. It's someone you want to do life with. It's someone you want to be with and do ministry and serve the Lord um, and just love. I mean, that once I learned that and I feel like the Lord opened my eyes to that, it was just, an, I remember one time there's a guy in this church, David Murphy, Murphy, love that man. Um, and we went to his house one day and my dad was actually with me and he said, you got any good, good wisdom you can share with this boy right here? And uh, Murphy just kind of looked at me and he said, find you a good godly woman. And I feel like that's the day that my eyes just opened up and I thought, maybe I've been doing this wrong. And uh, the Lord showed me the right way. And then I ran into Haley and man, we're engaged now. Um, It's awesome. So shout out to you, Haley. But yeah, I'm just thankful for that. Um, Thankful for a lot of of things. Um, This is my first year full-time ministry and what a year to start that with COVID. (laughs) Um, So it's been, it's been wild, but I'm just thankful. Um, God's good. And he's just great. And so we're going to talk about that and how good he is. And you're going to hear about that through uh, Byron's going to start us off with this segment. Um, We really don't have a title of it, but I I think one thing can be sure that we're going to focus on is transformation, how Christ transforms us. Because you'll hear that in his testimony. You'll hear that about, uh, we've already talked about how one thing that the Miracle Lake program and Graduate Hall, they focus on is really discipleship, which Alan said is a great segue to talk about this. So um, Byron? We're going to, yes. would you, um, you want to share with us about your testimony and sure. we'll let you talk and we, we'll yeah. probably have some questions and some stuff come up. Okay. Go ahead. Um, let's see. I was, uh, raised in a town about an hour from here in Oliver Springs, uh, outside of Knoxville and family was good. I, I was raised in church. I actually worked at the church and done things when I was growing up. My grandparents took me to church. A lot and um, so the the biblical knowledge was there but it wasn't ever applied to my heart you know I was there but I never got saved when I was little and then um, graduated high school in 95 and this girl I was seeing in high school I guess you you would consider her my high school sweetheart um, I got her pregnant you know fornication unfortunately and uh, got her pregnant about a year after high school uh, now, high school, I would say I was dabbling in alcohol. I mean, I wasn't really, you know, I played football, so I kind of kept my body clean and, you know, exercise and stuff. But I'd always, you know, I started dabbling in alcohol like at 14, 15, 16 years old. And then whenever I um, I got Brandy, which is uh, my wife now, but then I got her pregnant and it really freaked me out. You know, I was 19 years old, had a baby coming. Um I decided at that time to go to college. I told her, I said, you know, I love you, but I know I need to get an education for my daughter that that's going to be born. And so I did the wrong thing. I didn't have the Lord in my life. And I let the devil kind of lead me away from what I needed to do, my priority, which was taking care of my child and, you know, marrying her mother. But I didn't. I went to a place called Cookville, uh, about middle Tennessee. Went to college for a while and, um, and then once I went to Cookville, I was pretty wide open and I was kind of, the alcohol loosened me up. And when I went to school down there, I started experimenting with uh, different drugs and um, a little bit of cocaine, you know, a little bit of marijuana and, you know, addiction. Usually you start experimenting with different things until one thing becomes your drug of choice. My drug of choice was opiates 
And uh, once I got a hold of a pain pill, which was called Oxycontins, uh, back in 2000 and no, back in 2001, um, that's when I got a hold of an Oxycontin and I liked it. You know, unfortunately, my routine was going out, you know, to bars and I'd get drunk and then wake up and take a pain pill. My headache was gone so I can go to school. And um, so that's where my addiction begun. And um, let's see, um, I graduated with an associate's degree. I went to a two-year college down in Cookville, uh, transferred to the University of Tennessee as a junior. When I transferred back to Knoxville, um, I transferred pretty much with an addiction. And um, I was not addicted every day. I'd say about every other day I was taking a pain pill, and that's where my addiction started. And then my family started noticing a difference in me, and, and I wasn't able to visit Mackenzie like I used to. I'd pick her up on Fridays, take her to my apartment in Knoxville. I'd stop showing up because if you didn't have a pain pill, uh, you'd be sick. And if you were sick, of course, you know, it's like having pneumonia or something because the withdrawals were so bad. So whenever my dad started noticing the change in me, um, I talked to him and said, Dad, you know, unfortunately, I'm addicted to this pain medication. Of course, he couldn't believe it, you know, because I was, um, you know, I, I was raised better. I was embarrassed about it and uh, never thought it happened to me. You know, addiction, you never think it's going to happen to you, but it happens to people. And best thing to do is face it head on. So what I did, and, and I went to a treatment center in Nashville, um, I went there and did the AA, the NA uh, philosophy. Um, and just like I was, I was going to read this scripture really quick in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. It says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, it goes through, a, it goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. And then he says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven more other spirits more wicked than himself and they enter and dwell there and the last state of that man is worse than the first so shall it also be with the wicked generation so you know i would get my house cleaned up my body cleaned up i'd get in recovery but the holy spirit i never got saved so that was me you know and the evil spirit would always come back to me and he's oh here's byron all by himself again not filled up and then um, I would relapse. So I'd go to this treatment center in Nashville. I'd get out, go back, enroll in school. And then about two or three months later, you know, I thought I could dabble again. And of course I couldn't. And then the, uh, my relapse always got worse. And then my, my last relapse, um, my, I went to this place in Nashville, this treatment center four times. <clears throat> uh, I done outpatient. I did everything that the secular society told me to do you know i did i worked all the 12 steps i went to these treatment centers outpatient my last relapse my dad told me he said son if you get addicted to this again i can't financially support you no more and unfortunately you know after a couple months of coming back out of treatment i did get addicted i got evicted from this uh, apartment i was living in in knoxville um, my car got towed by Tennessee Title Loan because I was not making my payments. So my car was gone. I got kicked out, kicked out of my apartment. Back when they had pay phones, I called my dad and I said, Hey, Dad, I know you said that this is uh, your last time, but I said, You sure? I can't come live with you just for a week till I get on my feet. And he said, Son, I love you, but you can't. I can't let you live here. You know, he called me a, a terrorist. You know, I was a liar. I was a thief. Um, but at that time. I knew I lied my last lie, I stole my last dollar. I was getting very broken. 
and I uh, ended up walking. I walked down Interstate 40 to a Knoxville rescue mission in downtown Knoxville, and I checked into the mission, but unfortunately I didn't have an ID. So if you don't have an ID, you can't sleep in the shelter. So I had to sleep underneath the bridge, and that was my life for almost two months. I slept underneath the bridge. Uh, I got to eat breakfast in the morning with the, the homeless shelter, and then uh, they didn't serve lunch, so I ate supper, and I had to sleep underneath the bridge. And uh, that was my belly of the well experience. And uh, it was it was a very scary, dark time in my life. I hadn't seen my daughter in probably a year or so. Um, you know, my I, that's when I realized even my family didn't want to have anything to do with me because they were. My dad was always enabling me. You know, before I'd hit bottom, he'd always catch me. But this time, God allowed me to really hit bottom, and I hit bottom like Joan in the belly of the well. You know, I had the seaweed around my neck, and I was I thought I was going to die. You know. And, um, but luckily by the grace of God, Miracle Lake came into my, um, future, my, in the picture that I was in. My brother, um, found out about Miracle Lake, called my dad. They came to the shelter, picked me up, said, Hey, we're going to give you one last chance. There's a place called Miracle Lake in Etowah, Tennessee. And, um, it's a spiritual place, you know, and you need a miracle because you've tried every treatment center, you've tried outpatient, you've tried 12 steps. And, and, and I, I actually put a lot of effort into the, you know, the secular recovery steps, but it just never worked. And um, so they picked me up, went to a hotel, Lover um, Road exit there in Knoxville, got a room for a week, got cleaned up, did the application process. And then September the 7th, 2006, I walked into Miracle Lake for the first time and met a man, met a man named Jack Bryan. He's the founder of at Miracle Lake. And Miracle Lake, uh, it was created in 1980. It's been there about 41 years now. Um, when I walked into Miracle Lake, I could feel, I never felt God in my life, really, but there was something special about this place. And uh, Miracle Lake's 117 acres, 11 acre lake. It's off in the woods. Uh, I feel like, the, you know, my, my opinion, the grounds are anointed there. And uh, I met Jack, and, and I was about a hundred and 50 pounds I'm 225 now you know I was very underweight um you know and, and I didn't really experience I don't want to go into a lot of the dark that I was in but I was smoking crack cocaine I was shooting heroin I was doing things I never thought I'd ever do but uh, you know the devil once he gets into your life he takes you for a ride that you don't want to go down he takes you further than you want to go and you know I was I was very frail sick I was a very sick person but I met Jack, and, and Jack shared the love of Christ with me. And um, and Miracle Lake, it offers you, of course, a place to live. It offers you structure. I needed structure. I needed a routine. Um, of course, I needed the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and Jack does a two-and-a-half-hour class every day, Monday through Friday. My second week in class, Jack was talking about how the Holy Spirit can come into your life and how you can be saved. And I was raised Episcopal which, you know, they didn't really tell you much about being saved. You know, it was more of a religion, kind of a ritual, go to church. And uh, But when Jack really broke down the Word of God to me, told me who Jesus is and what Jesus can do for me, I, f uh, I felt the drawing of God in class, and I raised my hand. I didn't really know many of the students, is what, what you're called at Miracle Lake. I didn't know many of the students. I didn't care. I had that tunnel vision. And, uh, and I raised my hand. I said, Jack, I'm ready to get saved. I mean, I need a miracle here. You know, I'm coming from a homeless shelter. I'm li living underneath the bridge. I hate my life. I hate who I am. And, uh, you know, I have a daughter I hadn't seen in a year. 
and uh, he stopped class, and I came up, and uh, Jack knelt down, and I knelt down with him, and he led me to Jesus, and I asked Jesus into my heart, forgive my sins, be my Lord and my Savior, and it was like uh, being cleansed in water, you know, just like a big shower, like taking a shower, and I felt so good and relieved that, you know, and it's not that everything changed. I don't, I didn't, I guess some people say they were delivered. You know, it was still a process for me, but once the Holy Spirit came in my life, I walked back to my my cabin. I just uh, started looking up, and everything was changing. My mind changed, you know, and the trees looked different. The sunrises looked different. You know, my hunger towards the Word of God grew, and we do a lot of biblical homework there for class, and I was more interested once the Holy Spirit came in my life, and it was just a big transformation you know, of who I used to be to who I am now. You know, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, is a new creation, all is, therefore, everything is past and new has come, which I chopped up that scripture. But anyway, uh, I graduated the program. It's a 10-week it's a program now, residential. I graduated on November the 4th, 2006. I stayed on for phase two. I wanted to stay. I was, I was really, really content being in the woods with God. And I knew my mind needed more renewing, so I stayed there for a year and a half. And after um, the following year of 2007, April the 1st, uh, Jack asked me if I would be the houseman. He said, Byron, a lot of guys that you came with have already graduated, went back home, and you're, and you're staying here for whatever reason. And um, he said, I see your desire. I see you, you know, being humble and hungry for the Word, and i like for you to be the houseman. So I ended up being the houseman of Miracle Lake. And I enjoyed the job of seeing these guys coming in off the streets like me, frail, broken, scared, and just sharing the love of Christ. Hey, man, you know, I got, I got saved. And that was my story. I said, hey, I got saved, and the Holy Spirit came alive, and I feel like I have self-control now, and I feel like I have this joy now. I mean, it was just such a difference having God in your life, you know, in recovery. So that was what I did. I was the houseman in April the 1st, 2007. And then the, the man that got me in, Sam Rose, he was the admissions coordinator. He start, his health started fading. And uh, Jack asked me, so why, why don't you help Sam with the phone and greet these guys as they come in and do the application process? So I was the houseman, kind of like the application guy, the admissions guy. And that's how I got into admissions. And uh, so I was the voice of hope. Like right now, I'd share my story, say, hey, you know, hang in there that, you know, I can, you know, God can help you through any situation. I mean, God's almighty. You know, he can raise the dead, make the blind see, heal people of leprosy. He can keep us sober. He can give you the things that you desire. And um, so I ended up just staying there for a year and a half. And then my daughter came back in my life. Her mom, uh, of course, I've been to so many treatment centers. She thought this was another just treatment center and I'd relapse. But she brought Mackenzie down after about seven, eight months of me being there. And I, she got to see me. And she's like, wow, you look a lot different. It's just something different being having a glow of God compared to not having God at all. So she saw the difference, and she was bringing Mackenzie down. It's been 12 years. We were broke up for 12 years. And uh, she never got married during that time, and I, I never did either. And uh, she had some boyfriends, fiancés, and, every, and I did too. And and um, But after I uh, realized Mackenzie wanted, needed to see me more often and have a place of her own, like a bedroom, I'd looked in here in Madisonville, and, of course, I never heard of Madisonville, really, or Etowah, Tennessee, or any of the south of Knoxville. I never really explored. So I found a place there in Madisonville, and, and uh, I'm leaving out a part of my testimony. My grandparents passed away when I was in the program and left me some money. And uh, the money scared me to death because money is a trigger to us in recovery. I thought I'd use that money and get high and mess everything up. So I told my 
trustee at the time, I said, just put that money up. I don't want to use it right now. But when it came time for me to use that money, I found a place in Madisonville, bought a house, and I was able to start seeing Mackenzie more often, my daughter. And um, Jack, the founder, kept on saying, he said, Byron, what about her mother? I mean, she's not married to anybody. And I said, Jack, there's no way. It's been 12 years. I said, I broke her heart. I walked out of her life when she was seven months pregnant. She's not going to give me another chance. But I asked her, I said, Brandy, I said, uh, it's been a long time, you know, and uh, would you like to go out to dinner? And she said, no. <laughs> she said, I will never let you back into my heart again. And, <laughs> but after about a month, um, I guess God started talking to her in his way because her mother's a Christian. Brandy's always, she always loved the Lord, raising she's totally different than me. And um, so she called, she said, hey, how about, okay, this is crazy, but let's go out to dinner. You know, so I took her out to dinner and we laughed and had a really good time. And and uh, so God started bringing Mackenzie's mom back in my life, my high school sweetheart. And then we started dating again. And then fast forward a year, I asked her to marry me. She said yes. And then we got married uh, May the 16th, 2009. And I got to see my daughter go through uh, Madisonville um, Middle School, 6th, 7th, 8th grade. Got to take her to school. And then I got to see her go through Sequoia High School. She graduated 2017, I think, or 16. It's been a magical ride with God. I'm not saying it's been easy every day, but it's so much easier being, you know, having God in your life and having that supernatural resistance that He can give you and that self self control that He can give you. And uh, but I've been married 10, uh, 11 years now, and from since I started working at Miracle Lake, it's been 14 years now, and. Um, so I've been some, I guess you can call it promoted. We have a board of directors and they kept seeing me just, you know, staying down in this area and loving serving the Lord and being part of Miracle Lake and sharing my story. So I ended up um, being the student affairs counselor and then uh, now I'm the general manager. There's the director and then I'm the general manager with Jack Bryan, the, the founder. And um, so I, now I manage, I, I was able to, sort of like a president, as we've grown, Miracle Lake's grown a lot, so you get to hire kind of a team. So I kind of, as we've grown bigger bed capacity, I've been able to hire an admissions coordinator underneath me and a student affair counselor, and we have an individual counselor as well. And then we have uh, three housemen. Uh, we also have a prison ministry. That's how Jack got the idea of Miracle Lake. He went to prison systems and, and shared the love of Christ with all these inmates. And these inmates were coming out of incarceration, had nowhere to go. And Jack, you know, God spoke to Jack, said, create, I would like for you to go back to your hometown. Jack's from Etowah. And that's where he got the vision of Miracle Lake. And, um, so these guys coming out of incarceration, we have chaplains in the, in the prison systems and they get to parole out to Miracle Lake. And the Miracle Lake first in 1980 was just for men coming out of prison and for them to have a place to keep walking with God because men can get, it's called a jailhouse religion. You get religious in jail, then when you get out of jail, you know, Jesus is in jail and, you know, you left him and you're out. And you so Jack created Miracle Lake to help these guys keep walking with Christ and not, you know, continue on as a Christian. And then the, um, the community started calling Jack, said, hey, my son is going to go to prison if he doesn't get some help. So Jack, and we call that the free world. So us guys, like coming from home, Jack, his vision kind of changed. And about two years into Miracle Lake, he said, okay, I'll intercept men before they go to prison. And um, so Miracle Lake's for, you know, anyone now from home or prison, incarceration, 
like I was sharing with these guys, we even, we even had a, a student come from the state of Washington. We picked him up at the airport a couple weeks ago. Uh, so we deal with not just, you know, Tennessee, but we have people coming from all parts of the country to Miracle Lake. And, you know, it's growing in God's time. And we don't want to get ahead of God at Miracle Lake. But um, And then after, um, I guess, about nine years working there, I realized the need for transition. You know, after the residential program, the men had nowhere to go or maybe they could go to somebody's house, but it wasn't a good environment. So that's where I got the vision of uh, transitional living, which is called Graduate Hall, sort of like a campus. You know, you go to uh, the graduate dorm to work on your master's degree. So Graduate Hall was my vision of transition for these Miracle Lake guys, when they finish, go to graduate hall, get a job, help them get their license. I mean, these guys, like me, you know, I had no license. They were suspended. I was on probation. Everybody has a lot of guys have legal situations. So we help them, you know, get their license back, get a car, help them find a place to live. And uh, graduate hall can go on for six months or a year, or like your friend, our friend Cody Huntsman. He's been there almost two years. And, uh, but he's progressing, you know, so long as you're progressing, you can stay in the transition phase as long as you need. Um, so Miracle Lake first, residential, graduate hall second. Um, been working there now. See, I've been sober now in recovery for 14 years. Uh, this coming 2021, April, will be working at Miracle Lake for 14 years. That's awesome. So, it is awesome. Uh, I try, I try right to there. get it all out as quick as I yes. can. No, that was good. Yes. And we've got we still got plenty of time. Uh, Byron, yeah. if I had a question, uh, maybe there's some people out there that um, could benefit from this. Sure. So I, I, after you were saved, Byron, was it was it just easy to regret? I mean, were, there were things, struggles, and temptations. I mean, what, sure. what did that was that something that still you struggled sure. with? Well, mind renewal, you know. Um, God's the potter, you're the clay. Mm -hmm. So he has to mold and shape you. And, you know, you're, it's not like he does. It gets a big eraser and erases your mind. So I still had the thoughts of what heroin did. Yeah. Or I had the thoughts of what crack cocaine. It's good for a I minute. Mean, it's pleasure in sin for a season. And the devil has a way to make you think about that little quick, whoo, that feels good. But, you know, with God in my life, he kept showing me the aftermath, you know, the homeless shelter. Do you really want that kind of yeah. life? You know, what, what, what it leads to. And then, um, but the supernatural help of God, you know, going coming into your life, he just has a way to help get your mind focused on him. And, you know, when you start feeding yourself on the word of God and understanding what kind of person you are and realizing that, you know, God loves you, and that you're actually a very powerful person once the Holy Spirit comes into your life. But, but you've got to understand who you are. And if you read your Bible and you really pray and you, and you have a relationship with God, you start having a lot of strength. But it takes time, you know, to build yourself, yeah. like discipleship, you know, as you're learning more about who you are in Christ. The recovery gets easier and easier. It just takes time. So I'm glad you gave a shout out to Cody. Yeah, <laughs> he's probably he's probably gonna be listening to. Um, I hope he. Does. I love Cody Hunt. I love he's him. Done he's done really well. Absolutely. Yeah. But when we, and I know we as families, as 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 people, uh, maybe there's a person in our individual life or in our family or in our group of influence, and man, that they're trouble, or man, they're they're fighting this battle, and man, they're they're hopeless, mm -hmm. or they're they're never gonna beat this, they're never gonna kick right. it. What would you say to somebody out there who's fighting that fight right now? I know Graduate Hall is a 
it's a it's another layer. It's another uh, tool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that helps people. Okay, we've we've been through the the the, the process now. Our body's clean, mm-hmm. but all that stuff's still waiting on me. Sure. So talk talk a little bit about what you would advise somebody that's got that person in their life right now that says, "Man, he there's no hope." Yeah. Well, there is hope. You know, all things are possible through Christ, which strengthens me. Um, don't enable that person, you know, or they'll stay in that situation. But me coming out of addiction, if you talk to my dad back in Knoxville or my brother, it's a miracle. And there's, and I'm not, it's not that I'm any different. It's not that, you know, God loves me more than your loved one. He wants your loved one changes as much as me. And there's always, there's hope. If the person's breathing, there's hope. There's a reason why you're still breathing. So if your loved one's still breathing, they're entangled in addiction. There's definitely hope. And, um, you know, I wouldn't be here talking to you guys. So don't give up. And But it has to, you have to have a relationship with Jesus to be brought out of it. There is no other way. I've tried it. I've tried the steps. I've tried the outpatient. I've tried the treatment centers. You know, it gets you clean, just like I read in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. The spirit comes, you know, the evil spirit, because I was definitely possessed. I mean, I allowed the devil to come into my life by playing around with the drugs. And once he came in, he just took control. And, you know, doing, you know, sticking needles in my arm, I better. I mean, I, I, I thought I'd never do that. And, uh, but coming out of it, anybody can come out of it. I'm no, it's not like I'm special. We're all special in God's eyes. That's right. He loves us all. Yeah. So yeah, if you if you come out of so like that, that loved one, the family member that sure. is fully engulfed in their addiction, mm-hmm. and they will not are not receptive whatsoever because of the past hurt and the past the pains and stuff that have been back and forth. Mm-hmm. So you've stopped the enabling system. Um, what advice would you give to that one that because a lot of times you know sometimes well not a lot of times sometimes the addict actually feels like the victim that the whole world, the whole family is yeah, against them. Right. You know, so anytime anybody makes conversation, you know, you don't understand again, I'm a, how would you, how would you, um, what advice would you give for that family with that family member that is at that point of where they're not receptive to anything and they're turning the role of being the victim? Well, you have to, it's called repentance. There has to be a state of repentance, which the Bible says is a, a change of mind. Yes. Now, I was in a repentant state of mind. The shelter, the homeless shelter living underneath the bridge was my repent. That's when I, re- I was like, I am sick and miserable of who I am. So if your family member is not willing to change and they're, they're not receptive to what you're saying, hey, you need help, and you say, uh, you got to turn them over to God and you got to pray that God finds a way to break them, you know, and that's the thing, you know, about me. My dad kept bailing me out of situations before I got broken because he loves me, but he was hurting me. And, but nobody can do anything for anybody till they want to change. God gives us free will. Right. So that's a, that's a perfect segue into the question. My mind's just sitting here rolling. I know, I know Byron and yeah. I, I, I know the type of man he is and that love and, and everybody thinks they love their children mm-hmm. and everybody technically we do love our children sure but when we talk, start thinking about what's best for our children there's where the there, there's where the, the the differences start to lie because uh in enabling someone 
as opposed to loving them enough to make sure they get the help they need. Yeah. It's two different things. There's a difference. There's a huge difference. There, there. is. So, uh, uh, man, I tell you what, I, uh, I was leading into a question, and my mind just went blank on me. Uh, and it was <laughs> tomorrow. You're going to be fifty, think, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Tomorrow I'm going to be fifty. Yes, I am. It happens at that age. Yes. Oh, so that's like the I'm first playing. thing you lose is uh, I forget. But, uh, um, but you know the enabling part. It just like I have it. Is that is that going to make you think of it? Go it ahead. is. I just thought of it. Yeah. So. I want to help folks. I do. Yeah. I do. I love people. I'm a people person. Right. Uh, but there's that necessity of credibility. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about being able to connect and being able to be credible, God's put you in a position, Byron, and I thank God that you've been obedient and you've been submissive and you've allowed God to use you mm-hmm. because you will be able to reach people mm-hmm. that will not give me the time of day. And uh, as, as we look, forward in our partnership and how man i'm praying for you buddy thank I'm hoping you god just keeps to use yeah. you and, and uses you to, to minister to folks because that the credibility that you have with folks who are fighting this fight mm-hmm. because you've been there right because god's delivered you there's a level of validity in what you say mm-hmm. because the evidence is standing right before them right well the bible says you know you light a lamp and you put it on a stand you don't hide it underneath a bowl. So all of us here and even the listeners today, you have a testimony that somebody needs to hear. Yep. That yours can touch that mine can't touch. And just like for you, you know, your testimony can touch somebody mine's mine can't. Yep. We're all we all fall short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. Everyone. You know, and, and a lot of people are addicted to all kinds of things. It may not be drugs and alcohol, but you know, pornography or addicted to obesity. Yes. You know, you're really, really overweight and you gotta stop eating. Or whatever, not stop eating altogether, you die. But you know, well, I mean, that's, the, that's the beauty of it, though, because like you, if you so you look at an addict, a lot of times an addict, an ex addict has scars, yeah, visual scars or a, a, a resemblance of their lifestyle that they used to live, mm-hmm. which whatever extent. But the beauty of it is, is it's right there. So they they walk in and they're like, hey, they're real with you, yeah. But let's be honest for a minute. How many people do not have that severity of an addiction, but like you said, have an addiction to pornography, have an addiction yeah. to, to sugar, to food, to to whatever, money, gambling, yeah. and they keep it very well hidden, very oh, well yeah. tucked away. Those are you know, tough. And those are tough. And it yeah. means, you know, that's the thing that, you know, I would I would rather, and that's what, you know, I, I, I love the guys that come out of incarceration, that come out of addiction. And the reason is, is because you're getting real. Yeah. You get who they are right there. Yeah. There's nothing behind the scenes. There's nothing mm-hmm. that they have to. And that's the beauty of it. You mm-hmm. know, so that, I mean, that, and in a lot of ways, and I don't want this to sound weird or don't take it the wrong way. In a lot of ways, it's a blessing. Yeah. Because you, you are who, uh, here I am. Right. Take me. His, well, they talk about you being a, you know, a grateful drug addict. And they're like, why would you be grateful? I mean, I was, I'm a, uh, I am ashamed for the things that I've done you know, as far as an addict and the lies and the steel. But if if the addiction didn't come into my life, I never maybe would have got brought to repentance to change. And there's a lot of people that take their kids to school on time. There's a lot of people out there that have a great job, a lot of money, big house, you know, but they're so lost because they feel like they're, I'm I'm a good person. I've never been in jail. I got under control. Yeah, I don't really have a need. You know, sometimes it's scary to thinking that I got everything under control. I'm a good person. But the Bible says that, you know, we all fall short of the glory of God. 
And if you sin one time, you know, you're destined to go to hell. That's why Jesus came. But I was glad, you know, that, you know, whatever it took from, whatever brought us to salvation, be thankful for it. You know, my addiction brought me to salvation. Absolutely. Scary ride. You don't recommend having to do what I had to go through to get broken. But, you know, um, I'm just a very blessed, happy man today to be here with you guys. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. You know, I've just, I've been thinking a lot because as we've stated, you know, when people hear about addiction, they always assume it's with drugs. Sure. Um, yeah. But there's just a lot of other things uh, there's millions. that affect um, a life of someone. Um, you know, it's like, you know, one one year, I think we went to a men's conference, right? And uh, they had different, one day they had different seminars that you could attend. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, you know, um, being, I mean, it's probably when I first started, like literally my first month of being here, maybe two months. So I was probably about 20, 19, right in there. And I remember going to it, right? And so one of the conferences was about, um, you know, things you can find on the internet. And I thought, man, how applicable is this to my, what I've come out of through mm-hmm. high school? And something that, you know, the enemy just knew that I struggled with. And I'll never, I'll never forget just kind of going in that room um, and seeing other Christian men that walked in there. Um, and not only that, friends that I have now go in there with me. And so I guess when you get to the point that you will admit and be honest, yeah. not with the whole world maybe, but with a few people, maybe with one person, but ultimately with God. Yep. Yeah. And I, yep. I just, I, I'll never forget... Um, coming to that point of going there in that yeah. room. And, you know, they had a guy that was um, a minister, but he went to school and he was just like, that's what he went to school for was to help men get away from struggles. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically that one, I'll never forget, you know, he used all these analogies about um, being on a raft with, you know, no direction is what it was like. But it's one of those interesting things that, you know, there are Christians out there that still struggle with addiction mm-hmm. or they've been brought into it. Um, you know, specifically I, 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 you know, I was saved when I was 12, but I didn't start getting introduced to stuff until I was 17. Yeah. And I had no foundation and that's where I started falling short and getting introduced to the wrong things. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I think it's just one of those things that it, whether it's a loved one or whether you're listening to this and maybe you are a Christian and you're just looking for a way out of something that you brought into yourself. Um, I, I think there's hope in Christ. I think mm-hmm. there's transformation in Christ. And one thing that I love is, you know, we're all in different processes, correct? Sure. Um, and, and it's just one of those things that the Lord can transform. The Lord can. Um, Byron said a term earlier about supernatural. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are supernatural and they start thinking about different stuff. But mm-hmm. I think about when Jesus had the man on the mat and he said, what's easier for me to do? Tell this man to get up or to tell him he's forgiven of his sins. Mm. And that's just amazing because that's the supernatural work yeah. of Christ oh, is yeah. that he can look at you and tell you your sins are forgiven. Yeah. And so that's just the beautiful thing of being a child of God is we're all in a sanctification process. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people can be transformed instantly. Um, and some people got to walk through the mud they made yeah. for themselves. As me and Josh talked about last week, we talked about a thorn in the flesh that yep. can be put in. Um, but I'll tell you one thing. It's like it's like today. I was driving and I was just thinking. I was like, you know, in this life, we all have things we deal with. We all have things we struggle with. 
And I came to this, just this thought in, in within myself of, you know, when we come to the point where we've fallen short or we mess up or we realize we're kind of in a pit, the first thing we want to do is think of what can I do? Mm-hmm. Um, what can I fix? How can I do it? What yeah. step can I take? And I just kind of came to this conclusion today that that's, a, that's an act of righteousness, like self-religion mm-hmm. and self-righteousness. And I just thought... When you come to the point where you've fallen short or you realize you're in a pit, whether you're saved or not saved, um, man, you really can't do anything. The only thing you can do is surrender to Christ. And I that's think that's it. the step that a lot of people kind Repentance. of skip out on. Yeah, yeah repent. it's up to you to change. And, um, you know, I, I can think about coming out of high school and definitely when the Lord got a hold of me and I repented for really the first time in my life, I got to quit some things cold turkey. But that kind of goes back to, I was ready to get away from those things, right? Mm-hmm. But what about the other things? Exactly. And that's what Byron said earlier. You've got to be willing yeah. to be at the point where you're like, I need this. I need to surrender. I need to repent. And I think what Alan said, it's like one week we had a guy living by our dumpster, right? So I bring him up, give him food, and I'm trying to witness to him. And he's at a point where he's homeless. He's trying to fix his life. And, you know, we didn't really get into drugs, but he started talking about a dealer and some different things, and I thought, mm. well, I'm not going to assume. But I just remember, he didn't want to hear anything I had to say. Mm-hmm. And I just realized in that moment that I needed to tell him about Jesus. But ultimately, you know, my I may maybe if Byron or somebody else with that sort, they're going to have more impact because they're called to that specific side of ministry. Mm-hmm. And that just kind of showed me and taught me as well that I don't have to be the superhero for every exactly. person I meet. Yep. Exactly. And if you're the, those of you who are listening, uh, if you're battling with addiction of mm-hmm. a substance, and those of you who are listening who are not battling with an addiction of substance, we're all battling. Oh yeah, with yeah, sin. Yeah, yes. sin problem. Yeah. It's and it's it's something that we will deal with as long as we're in the flesh. Just like Hunter said, saved and unsaved alike, we all got the same problem. We've all got the same nature. the 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 difference is where's our source of uh, uh, of remedy? Where, mm-hmm. How how is it fixed? Do do we fix it, or we depend on an Almighty God to fix exactly. it? For and that's us? and that's. Yes. Side note, um, me and Josh this last week, we had a conversation. Like, I told him I'd been reading through Romans. And when you get in Romans 6, and it talks about the wages of sin, but you get down to like 13, 4, 12, 13, and 14, it talks about um, not presenting your members um, or to sin, you know, because yep. it, it, it talks about the flesh full desires that, you know, they want to reign and do not let sin reign in your mortal body, you know, basically because you do, if you do, you know, those desires are going to want to take hold. And that's where me and Josh were talking about that the sin, it's there. Yep. Like that flesh, oh, yeah. it's there. It's, it's not there. that you let it in. It's in. Mm-hmm. It's there. Yep. It's waiting. Yep. And that's where I was telling him in Romans 7, I was reading, that's why Paul said, when I want to do good, evil's present. And right. then he goes in talking about, I do the things that I don't want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's where you just have to realize that you're not a superhero. Yep. And that's where me and Josh, at what point do we actually have control? We don't. Because... Paul says that when we sin, it's the sin that dwelleth in us. But then he says in Galatians, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who mm-hmm. lives in me. So you have Christ, you have sin. And at that point, who do, what do we do? We, well, we don't do anything. We just surrender to Christ. Amen. And so that's where you can't be the superhero for yourself. But also, which we've talked about this, and I think it's just worth bringing up. You don't have to be the superhero for your loved one. Yep. You just may not be the person that is going to lead them to Christ, but you might be the person that leads them to where mm-hmm. they need to be. Exactly. And that's where when it comes to witnessing to people or ministering to people, um, 
you have to realize that it's not it's not on you. And, th- and that's mm-hmm. another thing we, me and Josh talked about last week um, was it's not on you. Because ultimately, we tell people about Jesus, and it's either they come or they don't. Yep. Yeah. But what I love is seeing my life. There's been, a, you know, I've been able to lead people to Christ, but I've seen more examples in my life of I wasn't the person that led someone to Christ, but I was the person that was there, got to push them to the right person mm-hmm. that I felt, and then that person led them to Christ. And ultimately, I don't care which part exactly. I play because yep. it's God gives the increase, right, yep. and that's where if you're the family member or the friend, don't be the superhero. Just help them and pray for them, but I mean, just lead them and help guide them to the mm-hmm. place where they need to be, such as Miracle Lake or wherever and else. Ju- and just know if you're if you're out there and you're you or a family member or a loved one is in this position and you're fighting this. Understand, you're not on an island by yourself. Sure. There are resources. Oh, yeah. And this is something I didn't know. I didn't know that we have resources like this available here, locally. Mm -hmm. I thought, man, if you need help, you've got to go to a big city or some place where there's a rehabilitation. Mm -mm. No, there are resources available right here. Yeah. And, and, I mean, it's it's just amazing. Um, Because, like I say, you have the church, right? And the church is called to uh, edify the body, you know, disciple people help them progress in their faith and all of these things but then you have these ministries that come up mm-hmm. now you know specifically like i think about uh, you know you had the early church and you had james you had your early church basically pastors but then you had you know what philip i mean he went to samaria he was an evangelist that went to the samaritans and was trying to call them to repent and, and bring them to christ and what i love is we have the church and we still have people that they may not be going to specific regions of ethnicity and they might be because some people do missions and stuff. But what I love is we have people that are going to specific demographic groups, such as people in addiction, people Mm -hmm. in struggle, homeless people. So it's not an ethnicity calling anymore or a region calling anymore. Now we see where God is using testimonies to go to specific people, such as Paul going um, to the Jews, Peter going mm-hmm. to the Jews, Paul going to the Gentiles, Barnabas going to the Gentiles. And that's what I love is Miracle Lake, yeah. which they take guys of any ethnicity I- anywhere over the country mm-hmm. because their heart and their goal, such as Byron said, is they're wanting guys to experience the same cross and the same deliverance that they mm-hmm. experience themselves. So you remember when we were going through discipleship, how we talked about that God gifted each one of us with our own ability and then recognizing our gift, yeah, and experiencing and, and and utilizing and 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 performing that gift through the power of the Holy Spirit, right where God has you. Mm-hmm. God has you know we're all different members. Everybody's not a a pinky toe, and right. everybody's not body a right arm. Christ. It's the body of Christ, yeah. and everybody exercising their gift that God's gifted you with to the edification of the of God, and mm-hmm. and to, so that He could receive glory. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And um, it's like I was looking over at Josh's notes, which I, I don't even think they're for this week, but Mark 8.34 talks about denying yourself. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. Whether You know, a lost person's got to deny themselves yeah. and surrender to truth, but a Christian, they've got to deny themselves. Yeah, the hardest keep... thing, you know, if somebody's listening, what you're talking about denying yourself is uh, pride. Yes, It's yeah. admitting that you have a problem, regardless if it's addicted to social media or pornography yeah. or drug addiction. Food. That's what held me back from a, a long time when I stayed in addiction as I, I was prideful. And us yeah. men, you know, a lot of men, we are 
where we can do this ourselves. We're we in have, control. We have, yeah. yeah. And we have pride, and you don't want to ask for help because you see yourself as being weak, and you don't want to be weak. And um, but that's the hardest thing, you know, is just is just breaking through that and saying, I need help today. And of course, you know, Jesus is your help, but God uses the body of Christ to get you plugged in somewhere. Yeah. And that 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 pride, too, is also on the flip side. You know, once somebody becomes clear for their addiction for a while, yeah. they might say, you know, oh, well, I'm good now. Oh, yeah. I can handle this. Don't ever know? do that. Right. <laughs> but again, that's pride. That's yeah. pride stepping yeah. in and telling, oh, I can do this. That's, yeah. the, wor- that's the worst. Because if you start doing that, you put yourself in risky the, situations. Yes. Okay, I, I can go there because right. you start getting comfortable and then you feel like I can do this. But you can't do anything. Right. God does it. Yeah, and you know. I mean, and the thing about it is, like Alan said earlier, you know, the issue truly is, is it's a sin issue. Yeah. And with any addiction, whatever it be, to the extent of it, in any sin for that matter, is it's not, it's not, you know, from zero to a hundred right now. It starts somewhere. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and like Byron, when you shared your testimony, you know, mm-hmm. you dabbled in a little bit of alcohol and then it led to, and, it, and yes. it, before, yeah. I mean, you didn't just say, I'm going to be full blown no, addict. No, it's like matches in a hayfield. Yes. And all of a sudden, the boom, enemy, like how this happened. The, right? en- it was just the enemy. Alcohol. The yes. enemy, I mean, it's like, you know, you, justifying it little bit by little bit. Yeah. He, le- okay. he knows that process to get you in. Yeah. Absolutely. Because, I mean, it, it's like Josh said one time, he said, um, the difference between a lot of men and the guys at Miracle Laker in jail is they got caught. Yeah, and that's that's, right. that's, that's the, the ultimate. Man, that's yeah. it. That's absolutely true. And it, yeah. you can take the you can take the substance abuse out of it and it, and just look at it as the sin. Satan mm-hmm. is a master of mm-hmm. just getting you to well, it's just a white lie. Yes. Or well, it's th- that yeah. it's not that vulgar. It'll be okay. It'll be okay. Society and accepts it. And, and yeah. yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> yeah. no, you did. <laughs> Well, and it just justifies his way into your life, and now he's at home with you, and it's not offensive. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And go ahead, Byron. Go ahead. I was going to say something about society. Our founder always said we're a finished product of a rotten society. Us, you know, because so, we're we're doing what society tells us. You know, have a good, you know, enjoy yes. life, have a good yeah. time, big truck, but we're, nice cars, we're a product and, yeah. of this of society. And, you know, we get in situations where, you know, we're doing, you know, the American dream, you know, work yourself for the almighty dollar. And yeah. It's all about your house. It's all about your shoes. It's all Pull about yourself your car, up by your bootstraps. You know, yeah. and, you're, yeah. and it says yeah. what the scripture says, the love of money. And people get entangled in the love of money. And But society right now, I mean, that's that's not a good measuring stick how to live your life. No, not at all. Get your Bible yeah, <laughs> and, and read the Bible. Absolutely. If you'll live your life according to the Bible, and of course, I'm not perfect. I make mistakes every day. Mm. But the Bible is telling me how to live my life, and it, it brings you so much peace, and it gives you strength. Because sometimes you're feeding your flesh, and you don't even know you're feeding your flesh. Absolutely. And But if you'll read your Bible, you're going to feed the Spirit within you, which is the Spirit of God, and it's going to give you strength over the flesh. But sometimes you can, us, you know, all of us Christians, we can be feeding our flesh and not even know it. We call that prelapse yeah. and recovery. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like, oh, my gosh, why am I doing this? Well, you've been feeding your flesh without you knowing. Yes. By what you're watching, what you're listening to, who yeah. you're starting to hang out with. Who yeah. you're, and all of a sudden, you're way Social over here in left media. field. You're not and being then sensitive. Of, and then all of a sudden, you relapse. Like, oh, my God, how to do this, Byron? I said, well, I remember walking in your room, you know, transition. They, they get to have a radio, and I get to kind of see where they're at in the recovery, and they start listening to this stuff. And I said, well, remember when I was in your room, you started listening to rap again? Mm-hmm. That's where it started. It's called er- it's called erosion. Yep. Like a big river, you know, yep. it starts by just a little little erosion here a little erosion here next thing you know 
you're off to the races again. Absolutely. And, and you know, I just I want to th- take just a second. We probably uh, I know he doesn't ask for it and probably is a little embarrassed by it. But I want to I want to give our pastor a little recognition because one thing that we need to be careful of as men mm-hmm. leaders in the church is that we don't allow that mentality to creep its way into the church mm-hmm. where we think that uh, the the bigger the better the numbers and the the things that we see with our eye are the determining factors of success. Sure. Especially, I know it gets, uh, it has to be discouraging to see numbers dwindling and and the COVID, uh, the impact that it's had on attendance and things like that. Our pastor has never once placed emphasis on the number of people that attend the church. Mm -hmm. It's all about the spiritual health and well-being of the body. Amen. And, uh, you know, as we we push forward and, and, and we understand that some folks listen to this that uh, maybe there's some underlying health issues and you can't get out in public we hope you utilize this podcast to strengthen yourself spiritually but uh, we want to encourage the 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 church as a whole to 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 be strong and to uh, anchor your faith in in christ yeah and i want to say this and then we'll give byron just a few minutes to kind of tell people how they can reach miracle lake or any of the programs because we've got to get him out of here too because he's got to go teach (laughs) at a graduate hall and so um, we're thankful that we had this time with him, but you know, it's like, My I heard, pleasure. I heard a pastor one time, um, and this is a pastor, right? He, he got on stage and he was just like, I'm here to talk to people about addiction. So he's talking about addiction he had in his life. Um, even when he, he was lost and when he was a Christian was he talked about that his battle was pornography, correct? Mm-hmm. So addiction's addiction. But literally, he was talking about he came out of it, the Lord delivered him, but then he started talking about how on his computer, his iPad, his iPhone, his MacBook, all of his computers, he doesn't, well, his phone specifically, he doesn't have a Safari app to get on the internet. He doesn't have social media on it. He doesn't have all these things, Mm -hmm. and his wife is the one that keeps his code. And they have this system or this app where whatever he gets on, mm-hmm. she knows about it. Accountability. And so, and so he was like, but here's the thing. Preventative measures. And yes. yeah, and see, this is a pastor. And so he said, now you might be thinking, you know, pastor so-and-so, do you struggle with it that bad that you have to do that? How are you even our pastor? And he goes, it's not that I struggle with it that bad. And if I'm not mistaken, he quoted what David said, I will let no wicked thing before my eye. He said, if I know what used to hurt me in my life mm-hmm. and I let an avenue open itself up, sure. then what will it not affect me? Sure. And he said, so what I've done is gone. I, I don't even want to think about it. I don't want it in my life because I want to focus on pastoring this church. I want to focus on this. And he said, now I'm here to focus, say to help you all mm-hmm. get to where you can have victory in your That's life good. and all of these things. He's smart. And I thought, how pa- and I, you know, I used to have an old mentor. His name was Dennis. And when I was young in college, I was about 19, 18. We did the same thing. And I mean, not not only that, when I would go on dates, when I do this thing, he was calling me all the time. Mm-hmm. What, what are you doing? What do you do? Uh, you know, have you been reading your Bible? Did you pray together? Did you talk to her about this? What have you been doing this week? You know, and he had the codes. He had all. And see, it wasn't to, it wasn't to say, you know, um, man, you know, I, I'm I'm lost and in this, and I just I don't. No, I knew where my strength was. This guy knew where his strength was, but he just quoted what David said. He said, I don't want that wicked stuff. I don't Mm -hmm. want a chance. I don't want it to pop up on my phone. And he said, ever since he did that, not only has his spiritual life increased, his pastoring increased, because he did that before he even started pastoring. Mm -hmm. He just continued it. But he's like, my relationship with my wife, because of the accountability that we have, 
our relationships as pure as it ever been. That's great. And this guy's probably like 40 something and yeah. he maybe did it when in his twenties when he got wow. married and then he just continued it because he knows, like you all said, yeah. you can just by listening to a song, watching a movie yeah. or being at the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Because I've heard guys that, um, I'm friends with, with drug addictions and stuff, um, Wrong place at the wrong time, yeah. and all of a sudden there's a free stu- substance right there. Sure. Well, the thing about it is the mind is our mind is powerful. Sense of smell, sense of hearing, song, uh, anything can trigger, especially from an addict, an ex addict. Yeah. You can be triggered that quickly. Yeah. Visually. Yes, visually. I mean, visually, even a sound, yeah. I mean, yeah. a certain feeling, a, a certain temperature of the day can trigger it. And that's the thing that if we don't separate ourselves from that sin, from that addiction, we're setting ourselves up for failure because mm-hmm. then we're left to our own devices again. Yeah. And, and I mean, we are tempting ourselves. Well, David learned that lesson. Yes. And a wise man learns from his mistakes. Yes. But a truly wise person can learn from somebody else's mistakes. Yeah. Sure. So that's why we have the Word of God so that we can read, learn, yeah. understand, and avoid some of the things that yeah. happened mm-hmm. just by applying the concepts of God's Word to our yeah. life. And, you know, the other thing I was, I'm just thankful for the deliverance of Christ and how yes. he does things. And, you know, you've got, we've got four men in here that can attest of how Christ has delivered us from something. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, but w- what I love too is, you know, when you become a child of God and you try to go back to the way you used to live, it's not going to last very long. No, no. <laughs> and not, o- not, not only, not enjoy it. It's, it's going to be so. painful. It's going to be terrible. Yeah. You're, it, Literally, it's almost like life just becomes meaningless because you don't know what to do because you're not walking in the spirit of the Lord. And so, uh, you know, whoever listens to this, who whether, like I said, if you're lost and you're in addiction or you're just lost in general, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, there's hope in Christ. Amen. There's so much, and it's just a hope that continues. But if you're a Christian and you're listening to this, um, I'm telling you, there's still hope in Christ, and you've experienced it. And, uh, you know, if you're stuck... In a rut, don't good, be defeated. Good, good yeah, luck yeah. because yeah. it's just going to be awful. So, um, Byron, we we need to get you out of here. But okay. uh, what if someone wanted to reach out to Miracle Lake and learn more mm-hmm. about the process or how it works? How would they do that? Um, the best way, of course, you can call us. Uh, we have two numbers. We have the office line four two three area code four two three two six three two five eight three. And our admissions coordinator, which is Derek Threet, his cell phone that he answers 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, is area code 423-506-2808. And we have a, uh, a website where you can actually uh, apply and check out. We put all the pictures of the beds, cabins. It gives you a good visual experience of what it's going to look like there before you make your mind up at miraclelake.org. O-R-G. Um Trying, or we have a we have a Facebook page, Miracle Lake Facebook. You can like it, and we put our graduation pictures on there. And uh, we get to do a lot of things with the students there too. So we put all that on our website. Of course, with, with the COVID, we can't get out like we used to and go out yeah. to mission festivals and churches and things. But uh, but but like you said, anybody out there that that's struggling, there is hope, and, and you can get free of this. If you couldn't, I wouldn't be here on this radio show or podcast right now. And and uh, but you gotta you know you gotta do your part. You have yeah. to you have to be willing to change. Yeah, he's you know, not God's just, he's not gonna make us. You know, and you he's have, not just gonna drag you. And <laughs> and hopefully you don't have to go all the way to the bridge like I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, don't don't go that far. It's yeah. a scary place. You know, so 
But I, I really appreciate you guys allowing yeah. me to share. Well, I, I, I appreciate you, Byron. And, and keep You're up welcome. the good work, man. Keep it up. Yes, We're going to be I praying will. for yeah. you. And I'll take um, all if you if you're questioning too what Byron said um, with the how you can get a hold. I'll put the links um, to those things in the description of this podcast episode, and also put the phone numbers. Um, but okay. if you're a member here too, uh, just call the church. I mean, sure. our pastor and actually Tammy, she's got the number right there on her desk yeah. um, that she can point you in the right way. So. Uh, Guys, this isn't the last time you'll hear from Byron. Another thing, too, we're hoping we're eventually going to do on here is be able to do commercials for the ministries we support and stuff like that. So um, you'll hear more about Miracle Lake, and we'll definitely have Byron come back in here. So, um, guys, does anybody have anything they want to say? God bless. God bless. Gobble, gobble. Enjoy your (laughs) Thanksgiving. All right, guys. God bless you. God bless. We'll see you guys next time. Peace out.